Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Good day, guys. I know many of you have experienced like seriously awkward situation with like financial planners, you know, and I'm no exception. Over time, I'm sure, you know, most of us are pretty apprehensive about, you know, connecting with them. So our guest today, you know, I've approached her with uh, a lot of mixed feelings, but I think we're, we're going to we're in good hands and she's a licensed financial planner. But more importantly, she and her team is creating this new app called Planner B, which will hopefully change the experience for most of us right and when we go through a financial planning journey so today she's coming on the show to share with us how her app is going to be better to evolve our experience and her tips and tricks in financial planning so let's welcome miss sherry wang hello (laughs) okay welcome on the show how's the startup journey been for you um because i've been running a business from the start because I started off as a financial planner and then I moved into a firm with my boss, <clears throat> which we co-own now. It's a traditional business. Um, so running a startup is, isn't quite new for me, but a tech startup is very new because mm-hmm. there's so many things that I don't know. I realize I don't really know how to use my phone or my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much going on on the tech scene that I'm not aware of. <laughs> Okay, okay. You know I, what I, I mean? I totally felt that way. Like <laughs> when I when I first started recording and and then we had to do like post production, right? And then mm. we had to do like email lists and then we had to care for all these kind of new softwares in the market, right? And I was like, what's going on? Right? This is so much to do. Exactly. Right? And getting MailChimp to work is already <laughs> a pain. I don't know if you use MailChimp. We use ConvertKit. Oh, yeah, it's I even more that. complex. MailChimp ah. is a simpler one. Yeah. Right? It so, is not simple at all. Yeah. So I, I know. yeah. I know. I know. And I tried to build my own website. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, wow, that's that's crazy. And yeah, we did that too. And it's, oh, yeah, it so was so hard. Do you guys build from scratch? Uh, no, we use a provider called Squarespace, Squarespace. right now. Okay, okay. Uh, but there are grants that you can use now to make your own website. Really? Yeah, you okay, can you do share that. that with me later. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if my vendor is going to be good, but they're applying for the grant now. It's okay. about 10 grand and then you pay only two. Oh, okay. Mm, it's okay. not bad. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, but there are so many things you have to do for a tech um, startup, mm-hmm. and then you get people copying you yeah. anytime. So yeah. you have to be aware of that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, unlike a traditional business that, you know, have proven there are ways of of um, growth. Mm-hmm. If you do certain things, you know, yeah. has has been done before. Yeah, but yeah. I think in the tech space, for people that can copy you mm. they're pretty talented themselves you know? yeah. there's a whole different set of skill sets to to be able to copy you that's you know? true yeah. but it's just you're more visible yeah yeah right, um, so. while, we're, while we were doing it we realised okay actually it's not that hard to copy <laughs> it's easy to copy the front uh, but the back end mm. is quite hard to copy yeah. so we're like yeah. okay I guess mm. this is a good thing 
Yeah, because yeah. because you're in the finance space in some ways, right? So it's a lot of legislation around. Uh, that aside, um, there are a lot of problems in the system um, that people outside are not aware of. Mm. So, for example, like the cleanliness of the data that we get, um, how bad, how much bad data we get that we have to clean up. Um, that we have to account for because the system's not going to be able to react like a human being to tell you, hey, we're missing this comma inside this this um, in this number. Uh, what we're going to do next? So we had to do a lot of the cleaning for the data that we bring in uh, for the app to work. And I think for most people who would like to copy that, um, they won't be able to know how to match the data. Mm. Yeah, mm. Mm. and on. That ground, right? Does that affect the algorithm if the data comes it in? It does, it does. So we had a lot of problems with that. And then when we were fixing it, we were like, okay, it's not that easy to copy. Because <laughs> uh, we know the problems. Mm. We managed to fix it mm. with proprietary knowledge. Mm, mm. Um, so um, that is, I think, would be a safeguard for us, mm, thankfully. Mm, mm. Yeah, but oh. every day, you know, like... There's so many problems that can happen. Tons of challenges. Right? Mm. Right. Like yeah. imagine if your hosting stops working and then your podcast can't play. Oh my God. And then you're like, hmm, but you can't do much about it, but wait. Yeah. 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 I get that. I get that a lot. You know, and from that view, right, how is it different, you know, um, switching, you know, from your traditional way to, to this whole startup way of life? Right. I think the mm. way people do traditional business is very different. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and now day in day out, you're bothering about different set of things. Yeah. Right? How do you acclimatize to that? I think um, in the beginning, it was um, in the traditional business at least. You you deal with people a lot. It's relationship based. You set things up, and then people get going, and they do. Uh, everybody does a part of the work. When you go into a tech space, you have to set up the systems. Um, in a good way, it's 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 more consistent. But um, in bad ways, when things are broken, you <laughs> really have to just wait for 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 the provider to like get their shit done. Um, yeah, and uh, and and because the startup scene is, you know, we we know the story about WeWork. Mm. And when I started looking into the tech scene, I was very confused by the financial. Um, projections that they do so I couldn't reconcile with the fact that they project such numbers plucked from the sky actually mm. so um, it took me a lot before I, I actually brought myself out of that picture again and I'm like okay I'm going to run a tech startup but not in the tradition not in the startup way that people are knowing um, that people know so I'm not going to aim to just fluff up the numbers just so that someone else would invest and then eventually IPO and then the retail investors buy pretty much a shit company mm. that doesn't make money. Yeah, so I, I then decided that, okay, I'm going to apply the traditional growth rate on a new type of business. Mm. Yeah, so which is why we are very lean. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not going to just hire people because we need to you know, get like 50,000 downloads that yeah. doesn't make money but mm. costs you like half a million dollars a year yeah. to run. Yeah. Okay, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's definitely, I think, a new way of running startups. I think it's becoming so. more and more of a thing. I hope right? so. I mean, I it wasn't that startups a long time ago when mm. they were called 
when they were traditional businesses, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, everyone was just flooding money. Yeah. Right? All your investors were coming in to flood a lot of money. Mm. You know, and, you know, but, but as investors become more and more sophisticated in this space, because it is relatively a new thing. Yeah, right? it is. So investors become better and smarter how to spend money in, in a startup, how to observe a successful startup. Yeah. And I think the palette starts to change. I hope right? so. so, yeah. So that's good. But mm. um, from your ground, right? Because mm. you are you're not transiting out of what you're familiar with. Right? Yeah. You're just transiting into very much a different model, different softwares, different way of engaging the customers that you are familiar to engage, mm. you know, from a more personal yeah. ground, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm curious, in this way, where do you see the financial planning sector going forward? Yeah, okay. Right, because you are, mm. you know, indirectly giving your own sector a swing, right? Yes, exactly. Right? So where do you see the financial planning field? Well, I think people ask me a lot, right? Um, but I think financial advisors will still stay. Um, but there will be two things that will happen. One, um, one area would be um, replaced by technology for things that are simpler to do. For example, years ago, we didn't have travel insurance online. Uh, we bought our air tickets through agents. Um, these things are much simpler to us for two reasons. One is technology um, and the other is literacy. So with literacy, we will be able to make those decisions ourselves uh, for the simpler products. And um, so there will be situations where people run into um, confusing and difficult um, financial problems. And that would require a human being, I would think. Um, so where financial advisors will stay, they will stay if they're more competent, they exude more value than, you know, technology can cannot replace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So what are some of these, you know, um, what are some of these complex issues that you've observed that you feel still need human intervention? Because inevitably it becomes like a cat and mouse, right? Mm. Things are complex, but technology keeps catching up, keeps catching up, right? So what are some of these fields that you think still require that human support in terms of a financial planning experience for, you know, most of our guys? Hmm. Um, it's what the technology could replace um, would be for things that are more, um, uh, I would say, common, um, so common things like health insurance, you know, these are quite standard. Um, these things can be easily replaced by technology. <clears throat> you could probably buy it online if you if you are interested to understand it. Um, but for complex issues such as if, for example, I have an ex-husband or I am looking to, you know, go through a divorce, these are situations where technology will find it hard to to. Uh, to cater to you because they are quite unique situations. So when it's not common, it's not uh, the mainstream way of treating a a subject, then you will need a human being to come in to do the calculations for you. Mm. Uh, On the brighter side, for example, if you're looking to um, upgrade your uh, property and you're looking to... um, to reduce taxes in the midst of it and reduce uh, transactional cost, um, the permutations may be too many for a regular uh, online calculator to help you with. 
So then you need someone who is um, knowledgeable in that in that field to help you find the best balance between cost and and growth uh, for your situation. Mm. Yeah. So I presume you agree with me on looking for specialists. Yes. Right. Yes. Because in one of our episodes we talked yes. about that. Right. Yes. It's like yeah. you work with specialists because these guys they have the relevant experience, they have the relevant connections in the space, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Rather yeah. than the Japalang, right? Everything yeah. else to do a bit kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the the financial planning scene in the US. Mm. Um, but how it works is people go to a firm and they have one what they call probably an RM. That person takes um, uh, the lead in the planning. But for every department, uh, for every section of the financial plan, they have a specialist. Mm-hmm. So you have a team of, say, five people helping one client. And the client belongs to the firm indirectly, to some extent brought in by that first RM. Mm-hmm. So when you have so many specialists, uh, the good thing is you, you get really customized um, expert advice for each segment of your, of your plan. And for the financial advisor, you don't feel like you're, you know, going too thin, trying to do everything, but really, can you really do everything so well? Mm. Yeah, I, I really don't think so. Yeah, at least I can't. I, I'm often telling my clients, you know, I invest this way. You can tell me how you would like to invest and I would transact for you. But you can't tell me to be a a broker. I'm not a, stro- a stockbroker. I'm also not an investment banker. I'm not going to be able to tell you, hey, you know, the tech stocks that recently rose by, I don't know, like 300%. Uh, I wouldn't know mm. of such things. Mm. Yeah. So I am going to look at your big picture and we can allocate money for your present, your future and for bad situations. But I'm not going to be able to do... Um, the very minute detailed stuff such as finding you the best stock. Mm. Yeah, that's not my job. Okay, that's yeah. good. I, I, I'm enjoying what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> because honestly, I think we all have very bad experiences working with financial planners. I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, but okay, I just want to put it out there, not all... Uh, yes, yeah, that, definitely. But, but there yeah. must be a predominant experience mm. that has resonated with a lot of people. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and that's why people are very, 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 very scared, you know. Hey, your friend joined insurance, they're very, very scared. Yeah. Right, you don't want to meet them. You know, it's like, oh my God, I'm going to stay so far away from you. And, and I think exactly like what you just said, right? It's about really about competence and really about the process of engaging clients. Right? Yeah. So what you guys are trying to do, better the engagement process, right? Because now you use apps, yeah. right? People are more familiar with that. Yeah. You know, and so we'll come back to that. But I want to double down on the question <laughs> of competency. Right? Oh, okay. <laughs> where, where do you think you know uh, our financial planners can be more competent? You know, in in Singapore, right? Because honestly, mm. uh, it's pretty toxic in my view. Right, a lot of people I think they're not good enough. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Where do you think we can raise this? competency factor so that we all can be happier connecting with our financial planners I know um, mm. I, I think this is a very complex um, problem that has existed for a very long time I think it has improved it used to be I think when I joined uh, O levels would get me into the job now I think it's a diploma an advanced diploma um, I think for a start we need to increase that first because the barriers to entry are too low. Mm. 
when you get very low barriers to entry, you get two things. You get all sorts of people joining without thinking. They don't realize that there is a huge commitment that they need to put in before they can be good at the job. Um, so I think barriers to entry has to be raised. They have to be more aware of, of the job before they get into it, not just the pros, but everything. Mm-hmm. On the job, once they get in, um, we do advise for people to be under apprenticeship. I think a year is actually a much better time than three appointments um, that is the common practice. Wait, three appointments are common practice? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. And actually from MAS's standpoint, you mm. can just need to pass five papers. I know. I have and a friend who just recently passed after two months of studying. It's like, I just study. La. Yeah. Then I pass, I get a license, I can start. Yeah, right? exactly. And if you get someone that's really book smart, two weeks is done. Can you imagine in uh-huh. two weeks you can start selling like financial products that you don't actually understand? Mm, I can imagine. I'm yeah. sure many of us can imagine. The yeah, kind of, the yeah. Kind of experience. Yeah. And it's like, wow, this person. Just a lot of selling, a lot of very emotional hard selling, a lot of sales strategy, but they don't really know what they're doing. Yes. And that yeah. bothers me a bit. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, we can't blame the new people from not understanding what they're selling because they're new. Um, so, what would be good is for them to be um, under supervision. For a year, at least someone else is responsible for these sales and choices that um, that people sign on. Um, but for consumers that are listening to this, I think you need to start being um, more hardworking to understand what you're actually buying. Mm. Don't just sign on the papers because you think your boyfriend bought this plan or your advisor is a friend and you think that what suits them suits you because... Y- you are essentially a different person, right? Exactly. And I, I want to double down on that. It's <laughs> like, for you guys that are listening, you trust your friend to be a friend, cool. But you cannot trust a friend to be a financial planner. If they are new, they have no experience in the space. They don't know what they're doing. They can be your good friend, okay? You can trust that they can be a good friend. But, you know, mm-hmm, maybe not the financial part. So, I, I totally agree. I get that. And I think there is also a very high turnover rate in the space. Yeah, because of the barriers to entry being so low, mm. you you get like 100 people coming in. The attrition rate is as high as 90%. Mm. Yeah, most people don't don't stay past three years. If we could bring this, this down a little bit more because there are more considerations before people join, um, there would be less people left without an agent after one, two years. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, very yeah. sensitive. Uh, all the, the talking <laughs> points today are uh, very, very big one. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> but these are very real experiences. I'm sure you guys listening, you you get it. Like we have all these friends that come and go, right? It feels like mm. it feels like a they're taking a bus, like that, you know, one stop. They come in. Suddenly, all your friends are insurance agents. Then three, three months, six months later, then you know, quieted down a year later. Then also, oh, I changed a feel already. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, so that that is that is a big problem and. Happy to hear from someone in the field that is trying to, you know, change this experience. You know, yeah. and be very objective about your viewpoint, mm. right? Because that must be one of the main reasons to create these kind of to create an app. Yeah, exactly. Do, right? um, I think to be fair to 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 people, um, you have the choice to change your career too. But from a consumer, you want to be taken care of. 
So what is more um, sustainable than having a system as well as a company to take care of you, not just one person? Because mm -hmm. if you're dependent on just one advisor, that person might die too before you, right? <laughs> so mm -hmm. you still need to know what you have. And if you have the assistance of, of you know, um, a tool to help you understand better, to keep track, at the same time, if you're one advisor, you're not just facing one advisor for your advice. You're facing a tool and a team of people who can be there like a customer service center. Then you're more likely to be taken care of whoever dies. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not just having um, all your plans and information just die with that one person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is quite dangerous, actually. Mm -hmm. So what are some of these <coughs> bottlenecks that you are trying to solve, you know, of, as the journey of a customer experience? You know, so I, I mean, mm. like most of us, our experience very awkward, right? Someone very long never talk to you, then kind of talk to you, then arrange to meet, you know. And then, you know, if if they're open, they will tell you that they join a, the industry and they want to, you know, present to you whatever that their agency have taught them mm. what to do. There's a there's a whole financial planning process, right? They will ask you all the questions and and yada yada, and then you sit down at the coffee shop for two hours, right? And then at the end, you get bombarded with a lot of questions. It, it gets it gets pretty uncomfortable yeah right yeah. I think that is at least for a lot of the the younger guys that mm -hmm. just started work you know this is the kind of experience for most I'm sure as you move up when you have more capital you have more wealth the financial planning experience is very different yeah right <clears throat> but we're talking about most of our audience PMETs okay young grads <laughs> you know 2030s so that's the very very sour experience that I think most people get I'm sure some don't yeah how do you use your app to solve some of these bottlenecks? Great question. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, we found that, at least for Asians, I think, um, people are very afraid to share their their details, you know, anything yeah. from your age to your weight. Why, and so, why ask so much? Why? Yeah. Cannot ask age is a secret thing. Cannot say. Cannot yeah, say. these numbers are so <laughs> secretive. And mm -hmm. and it's actually your own, um, it's, it's a huge problem if you don't reveal your full financial picture mm. to someone that's trying to help you. Mm. I mean, mm. the, the quality of the financial advisor aside. But if you don't show the, look at the entire picture, you're not going to know what's the problem. Mm. And facing a human being sometimes can be embarrassing. Mm. We understand that. We, we have um, clients that find it hard to tell us um, certain details about their health because, you know, if you buy insurance, you need to declare health, plastic surgeries, things like that. Mm. Even, even how much money they spend every month. Um, so when we, what we try to do is to give them a platform that is not embarrassing. No judgment because it's just your mobile app. You just key in the details. Nobody's going to judge you. Mm. Uh, the algorithm will just run the numbers for you and tell you, hey, you know, these are the problems. Mm. And then you look for the solutions. Yeah. So um, we hope that at least people will not stop themselves from getting proper advice or fix their financial problems just because they're embarrassed. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And indirectly what Sherry's trying to tell us is that you really got to be honest with your financial planner they need to know the full picture be before they can help you to really plan it 
And if you cannot be comfortable to reveal everything to your planner, then maybe you want to choose someone else. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Until the until you find maybe an app, right? Or mm. a platform that or, or an individual that you trust. And only then that the process can be comfortable and accurate. Exactly. In that sense, right? And and if I can add, right? Because most of the time your advisor would be a friend. <laughs> and then you'll be like, oh, if I tell you that mm-hmm. I'm doing this, spending this much money on drinks and alcohol, for mm-hmm. example, every month, are you gonna judge me and tell our friends? Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm sure most advisors know that they can't do that, but um but there's always this fear and then you you end up um, you know not telling your advisor the, the truth. Mm. And then you're wondering, where did that additional $1,000 go every month? We don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that is the relationship nuances, right? Like, you know, it's, it's the same with having friends from work, you know, or, you know, that, that, those kind of stuff, right? So when different relationship status kind of Merge, intermingle, yeah. right, then oh, those relationships become... Pretty complex, but yeah, that's for another day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so other than sharing information being being a very sensitive thing that can affect the financial planning process, what other things do you think that you guys are trying to solve? You know, in mm. in the first phase of your app. I'm sure second phase, third phase, you will bring more and more things, right? But yeah. but what is the what are other things that you're trying to solve on the first phase of what you're trying to create? Mm. Um so efficiency is a huge problem in this sector. Be it for consumers or for advisors, everything is very, very manual. So um, the first step for financial planning essentially is really looking at the the picture of where you are right now. It's as good as stepping on the scales just after Christmas or New Year's. You, you, you're scared. <laughs> Who wants to step on the scale after New Year, right? It's as good as stepping on the scales just after Christmas or New Year's. You, you, you're scared. <laughs> Who wants to step on the scale after New Year, right? <laughs> yeah, you're scared, right? Because shit. But you have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I get that. I get that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I hide the scale, don't know where. No? It's like, it's like, eh, where the scale all oh, break down already? Yeah. yeah. Chinese New Year cleaning, cleaning, all clean. Yeah, broken. <laughs> the scale also gone. Yeah, so you need that reality check, right? Mm, mm, and, mm. and, um, what if I tell you that scale is not digital like, like the wearing scale and you're just using the one of those Chinese things we have to balance <laughs> and it's so hard to use, you don't even uh, know how. Yes, That's yes. essentially how we're doing things. Mm, mm. We use Excel sheets to do um, the calculations from advisor standpoint. Mm. Uh, but for a consumer, you're not going to know how to do these math. Mm. Um, and they are very simple from, from my point of view. So we decided that, hey, you know, um, why do we do this um, in the difficult way when we can just automize it once yes. and people could just use this swing scale mm. to figure out where their status is before they go on to figure out, hey, I think these are problems in in my financial health and I want to fix these problems. Mm. So we automize at this point figuring out exactly what your financial status is. Okay. So okay. you just have to really just sync your 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 portals your financial um, accounts and in a few minutes you you see where you are it's scary it's mm. very instant like the wings <laughs> the digital one. Oh my yeah. okay okay but essentially what you're trying to tell us is that we definitely have to do regular checks 
yeah. on our finances, right? Yeah. Not not like every other week, lah. Huh? Be a lame, okay? Yeah, yeah, like, no, no. But periodic, right? <laughs> yeah. At least once a year, we wanna exactly. wanna update. And sometimes yeah. this process is very inefficient, right? Mm. For both the planner and both for yourself, right? Yeah. You gotta book everybody's time and then, you know, go through the whole process and one time do everything. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. So with what you guys are trying to do, you're trying to connect all the back end, all mm. the financial accounts that. The individual has yeah and in that sense you can periodically just give them update and exactly. they will know what's going on yeah and and it's it's ah. just an app giving you an update so don't feel judged if they ah. say hey it looks like we're spending more this year mm. than last year sometimes on i feel dining. judged like, when when <laughs> when <laughs> i when apple tells me this week your usage went up seven percent i was like i go you so much man <laughs> yeah or like they tell you to get up and walk <laughs> yeah, yeah because yeah. you're not walking enough yeah mm-hmm. mm. Oh, that's good. That's a, that's a good good thing to solve. Yeah, and, and mm. even then, if you have an advisor, you need to pull out all of their statements from all over the place. It's hard for you to first go find them. Mm. Um, so instead of finding these statements that could be you know outdated already, what we thought was a better solution is just to pull the real data right mm. now, mm. and then you update it. You you have a idea of how your history was and what it is now. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. That's really cool. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I'll definitely download and use. Okay. I download already. I never sign up on it <laughs> anyway soon. Okay. But based on all these, right? Like you shared information about like how you got to be honest with your planner and how you got to be, you know, efficient in this process of, you know, consistently checking in and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So what are some of these things that, you know, for let's say young mm-hmm. graduates right, or young adults, you know, what are some of these elements of financial planning that they need to do? You know, like we all need to we be really honest with ourselves for some stuff. And I'm sure everybody has different things that they feel we should talk about. So what mm. about yourself? What, what do you think are some of these things that, you know, um, people need to be very honest about, you know, with themselves on financial planning? Hmm. Um, I think they, they need to be very honest about um, how much they're spending. Okay. I think there are three things. You need to know how much you earn, which is not very hard. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, every day you look at the page and it's like, wow, what the boss you say, okay, well, paying cream in, right? Like, when am I going to get this promotion? And, yeah, and you're very, very aware of <laughs> it like, because yeah, man, very aware. <laughs> you have no control uh, 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 on, your, on your income. Uh, it, to mm. some extent, you don't. Mm. Um, but you have full control over your expenses. So I think people need to be very honest with themselves on on how much they're spending. Mm. Um, And and if those numbers are in line with their financial goals. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think for most people, they are looking to have a comfortable life. Mm. And and that's that's just um, primitive, right? Mm. Um, If you look at your expenses now and, and ask yourself, is that sustainable? If it's not, you have to relook at what's sustainable. If your expenditure at this point is going to uh, provide you with a way to your financial goals in the future, mm. and if it doesn't, then you've got to be honest. Yeah. So, yeah. what are some of these like spending things that you feel people are doing a little too much of? You know, that's not helping them to meet their goals. You know, right? So, what what, what do you think? Uh, okay, so for, for at least um, the first 10 years of your, your career for, for new, new grads, I think, your income is expanding every year. You know, it's probably going to be at the highest growth rate ever. 
um, earning more money, if you're not careful, you fall into a trap of spending a lot more. So what I often see with time is these younger folks are um, surviving with first $1,000 when they graduate. And somehow in five years, they can't live without 5000 But they didn't buy a house. They didn't buy anything. Uh, they didn't buy anything. And what I mean is they didn't buy an asset that they're paying off. So they're just basically consuming a lot more. Um, often from, yeah, initially you could settle with a $5 lunch mm-hmm. and now you go for omakases mm-hmm. every Friday, you know, $100. Mm-hmm. Um, these things do creep up and in 5-10 years they wonder why they earn 10 times more but they don't save anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm often reminding them that the lifestyle inflation is a real problem. Mm. They, they need to do two things. One is to prevent themselves from falling to that trap. Um, and if they already are in that trap, then try to curb that, that rate of increase of their expenses because it's very hard for people to downgrade their lifestyle. It's a little bit easier if they are aware and they try to maintain it while good thing is their income still increasing. Yeah. I actually agree with that. You know, like mm-hmm. sometimes I sit down... On the, on the train station, I asked myself, why last time I can enjoy my life with like $400 a, a month? You know, <laughs> it's like when you were a kid, right? Then it's like $100 a month, uh, like $100 a week in school. And then it's like, oh, it's okay, like enough fun. You can do everything and life is amazing and you just hang out with friends yeah, yeah. and stuff. And then now it's like, oh, I'm making like at least 10 folds more. But it's like, why is it not enough? Huh? Like always not enough. Besides inflation, yeah, right, but, right. but yeah, you, you just need more. Uh, you consume mm. more. Um, you demand a better experience. Mm. So you need like a nice 300-year-old wooden table to eat on. <laughs> well, we're on a graphite table now. <laughs> but yeah, I get it. And I think there is a difference between... Um... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, rewarding yourself when you meet your goals and rewarding mm-hmm. yourself for working. I think a lot of people fall into the trap of rewarding yourself just because you work. I work hard, ma. Interesting. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I work hard. So on the weekend, you know, I must go for omakase. Yeah. Right? Or oh, I work very hard. Today, very tiring. Hey, let's go get a drink downstairs. Mm, right? And yeah. then gossip about your boss. You go to CBD, right? <laughs> you, you walk down the street. <laughs> All the bars are filled with gossip. Sorry. Walk inside. Wow, you know, uh, HSBC, that guy. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, stand chart, that guy. Well, you know, true, so, true, yeah. Right? So it... I think a lot of people need to recognize the difference between rewarding yourself when you achieve a goal mm. and rewarding for hard work. And hard work should not be something that you reward, should be something that you command yourself, okay, I put in the effort, good. Mm. That's it, let's move on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and very easily, somehow you become very rich one. <laughs> it's like, really? Somehow, you know, it's, I mean, if you, if you maintain your lifestyle, your uni level lifestyle, maybe like a bit more because now you live in town or you work in town, you no mm. longer work. Like, things are more expensive. Yeah, things we are more expensive. Yeah. Realistically, you know, we 
we, we spend a bit more because we're in town, okay? Mm. But as long as you can keep the lean aspect of life, you know, that you have done so in the university, mm. right? you, you need kids very quickly, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you got to do so many things, you got not much left, yeah. right? So, so you do all that, continue your lifestyle for three to five years, suddenly, you know, you just go make simple calculation. Easily, you are at 100,000. Yeah, yeah. Right, 100, 200,000. Exactly. You can easily pay off your mortgage. You can mm. pay off all these different things that you want to pay off. A okay, huge be, part of the down payment as well. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's it's, it's going to be really simple from, from that ground. Yeah. yeah, and I think we need to really go back to basics and understand what makes us happy. I mean, this is an entire different topic, but... I love this topic, yeah, by the way. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it's just like um, uh, weight loss too. Do you reward yourself with more food because you lost weight and then you mm. gain the weight back? It's, mm. it's, it's a toxic behavior that we have these days where we earn money and then we work so hard for the money, but then we think we need to reward ourselves by buying something expensive, but that's kind of silly because you work really hard for the money. And then you just pretty much just lost it by buying something that you don't exactly want. So you really need to be conscious about your um, your wants, what really makes you happy. Do you, this whole Marie Kondo thing, I do subscribe to it, but not at that level. But <laughs> 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was I was like, wow, Marie Kondo came out <laughs> <laughs> today. <laughs> yeah, I, I I wrote about this um on our blog uh, a while ago. I because I I really think there's a huge link to mm. buying only what you really really want. I mean, talking to it is another thing, but but um, do only accumulate things that that brings you joy is what she's saying. So you end up just buying things that. You really, really want instead of just like rewarding yourself for a hard days of work, and then you throw it away a, a few months later, or mm. you, you, you don't even know why you bought it, mm. because at that point you needed to reward yourself with, with the money that you work really hard with. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I cannot. <laughs> Marie Kondo is in my head now. Yeah. <laughs> so I keep thinking of her. So okay, Marie Kondo, you can take your leave now. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I actually agree with that a lot. Like we really gotta go back and question what really empowers us and what, you know, we actually enjoy, right? It's mm. the concept of frugality and frug being frugal does not mean you don't spend, just means you spend on things that matter to you. Yeah. Right? It's about maximizing satisfaction, you know, um, and, and not about not spending, right? I think yeah. we talked about it extensively on the podcast. So, so that's, that's really nice. And I think spending is only one part, mm. you know, of, you know, our whole financial planning process mm. right and i've seen through a little bit of what you guys are trying to do and i see different calculators oh yeah right yeah. like investment calculator insurance calculator and you know um emergency retirement. fund retirement all those yeah. kind of stuff so let's just mm. zoom in on insurance okay sure. i think a lot of people asked recently on the app uh, recently on the telegram group a lot of people asking about insurance questions right so yeah. i i'm not a super geek on insurance right mm -hmm. so i want to i want to spend some time to talk about that you know, what are some uh, parts of the calculator, you know, mm. that you guys are very confident of in terms of how much insurance to buy? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So this is, um, um, I often get as an advisor, like, oh, you know, someone told me that I need to be covered for $1 million. And I'm like, where did that number come from? <laughs> like, 
Huh? One million appears in everything. Yeah. Okay, everything <laughs> must have one million man. Masiwa uchipa ban, right? Like, oh, yeah. Every single thing in our social context has that one million. Yeah. But these days there's one billion also, okay? But, exactly. But, but yeah. If magical number. I don't know. Why don't they say ten? But um so mm, my reply to them is always everybody's different again. You need to understand the concept of insurance. So the concept is very um uh misunderstood because of the way it's been sold over the last few decades. Um, but I think people understand this a lot more with the help of, you know, maybe the uh, media, the government's uh, pushing a lot more data, uh, information for people to understand. Um, so they now know that insurance is important. But then the next question is how much? Mm-hmm. How much is hard to, to, to determine, yeah. right? But before we go yeah. into how much, can you mm. just kind of help us elaborate? Let's say today I don't know what's the concept of insurance. Yeah. Right? What, is, what, is, what is the idea of insuring? Insurance is basically an exchange of risk for a premium that you pay that's much smaller than the risk that you are outsourcing. So when you, when you think about insurance, think about why and the why would be the risk. So, for example, a risk would be um, unforeseen medical bills. Um, how big can that be? Would be the next question. Uh, oh, it could be say three hundred thousand for cancer treatment. Do you want to keep that risk on yourself, or do you want to outsource it to someone else? And that someone else not going to be your friend, of course. So then it's going to be an insurance company, and they would say, okay, um, the odds of a person like you getting cancer or getting dengue, for example, that's common now, is X, X percentage. Based on that, we're going to charge you a fee of, of, say, $10 in exchange for, say, a million dollars a year coverage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then you decide, okay, is this $10 worth uh, paying for outsourcing that risk? Mm. And I would say yes when there's such a huge um, uh, multiplier because... Are you going to keep, if you do have $1 million, are you going to keep it in the bank and do nothing just in case? Or are you going to say, hey, I'm going to invest the remaining 900 over 1000 and just use $10 to, to, to pay for that outsourcing of risk? Yeah, because that's more efficient mm. use of your money. Immediately, you have almost $2 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that's the concept of insurance. So... I mean, people might beg to differ. I don't subscribe to the idea of um, outsourcing every risk. So in Singapore, if you want to buy insurance for a your mobile phone screen... Wait, I, there's something like that now? Yeah. Oh, wow. iPhone also can... Yeah, you can. <laughs> it, they, I think they, sub, they, they, they added this on onto my, um, I wouldn't say which provider because it was a little bit unscrupulous. <laughs> uh, they just added it on. It's $10 a month. Wow. Okay. Anyway, insurance is a very good business. Okay. Objectively, right? Because it is, it's a pool yeah. together kind of thing. So yeah. every big guy wants to be in the risks, you know, absorbing business yeah. in some ways. Right. So that's that, you know, and amazing that mobile guys are, are doing that also yeah <laughs> so what are some of these risks you know because I also don't subscribe to like like buying insurance for everything mm. right but what are some of these risks that you think are good to to kind of outsource it oh big ones so uh, big risks like medical bills like I said um, the unlikely incidence of your house getting on fire, yeah, it's very, very unlikely, which is why they charge you very, very little for a very high amount of coverage if something bad happens. Mm. Um, This is why 
we are mandated by the government to buy car insurance mm-hmm. because our cars are really, really, really expensive. So you don't want to uh, end up paying for someone else's repair because of your negligence. Um, you may not be able to afford it. Hence, you need to outsource that to an insurance. By f- Unfortunately, I would say in Singapore, it's done by force. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm. So um, when the risk is too small, you find that the exchange of cost, which is the premium, to the risk that you're outsourcing is not a lot of difference. You may not want to outsource that. Mm. Yeah. For example, if you're covering $2,000 worth of bills for, say, $1,000 of premiums, is that really worth it? Uh, I, I personally, I don't think so. Mm, mm. But some people would still think so. Yeah. yeah. So then that's when the professional viewpoint come in and evaluate. Yeah, but we can also only give you um, the numbers. We can say this is $1 to 2 mm. But you... As a, it's your life choice if you decide that it's worth it or not. Mm. Of course, there will be a tipping point. Like if it's one dollar ninety cents to two, of then course. we'll off. Of we'll course. tell you, you know. I don't think the insurer would even sell that because it's not, um, it is not going to be approved by MAS. Mm. Yeah, but mm. but does your app help with that in a sense of like, you know, <clears throat> I think a lot of people hide behind objectivity. Mm. Unless like, oh, I cannot tell you, you know, this is your own decision. You're gonna make it, you know, but. Sometimes people just want your view. Like, my view Uh, is do this, or my view is don't do this. So, how does the app help in this process? Right, Mm. Because there there is black and white in algorithms. Yeah, yeah. So, So we tell you first um, through the calculator how much you need. But of course, for people who are going to try the calculator, you have to try to figure out how much you spend first every month by either inputting the data or syncing your bank accounts. With that data only, we can do a calculation of how much insurance needs uh, you require um, because that's the expenses differ from person to person. Um, we use the amount of expenses to determine how much insurance you need if you don't work. So if you can see uh, um, the basic of the calculation is replacing your, your expenses, your income, if there is an unexpected um, illness, for example. So um, we help you calculate that need. You take away what you already have because um, the app allows you to to pull in the data of your existing insurance. We simplify it in very basic English instead of the <coughs> lingos that insurers use um, and tell you, hey, you know, this is what's remaining. If that sum is large enough, we will highlight to you that this is a goal that you need to do mm. something about. Um, and then you get redirected to, say, you know, looking at products. Uh, but that's that's something we, we have not touched on yet. Mm, mm. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's, that's mm. cool. And recently I've gotten a question, right, mm. on our Telegram group is, is MediSafe and MediShield enough? Ah. Right, so mm. that is a that is a ongoing question, right? Mm. So I also think about this, like, yeah, hey, I really mm. got this, right? Like, mm. why do I need more medical coverage? Yeah. Okay. Right. So how does where did, what what is your stand on this? No. No. It's a straight no. Okay. So okay. you you think it's not enough? It's not enough. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Share us your point. Uh, okay. So the um the reason why we have MediSafe is because we are not a welfare state. So we have to, by force somewhat, um, be put, asked to put money aside for medical bills. Um, but that sum of money, that wallet alone is not enough. Hence, you have MediShield Life. 
uh, where you where it's an insurance that covers you for um, hundred thousand dollars a year of medical bills. Um, that premium is paid from your Medisafe account, so that um, you know indirectly you're buying insurance. I mean, actually, you're buying insurance from from the government. Um, that amount is based on an average. Okay, how should I phrase this? Um, because we're not a welfare state, the kind of insurance policies that are placed, uh, imposed on us cannot be too high. It has to be affordable, at least to the state or to the people who are paying for it. So they have to, in a way, give people a very minimal amount of insurance that they can afford to pay. It's not based on the medical bills that they're going to incur. It's based on how much premiums they can afford. So you're telling me that there's no objective study as to like how much is the average bill of a, average medical bill of a Singaporean and we are not benchmarking MediShield Live based on the average medical bill of a Singaporean. They base the... okay. They base I mean, it on the income level and the ability to pay premium? Yeah, they don't want people to not be able to afford the premium. Okay. So based on that kind of premium levels, they provide you with a benefit. It, the same goes for CPF life. Mm. The CPF life payout is based on a 30 percentile of an average, a median income of Singapore. Mm. How is 30 percent going to be enough for someone that earns at the 90th percentile? Right? Mm. Yeah, but is it sustainable if you benchmark it against 90 for everyone? No. Mm. So the state has to make a decision based on affordability. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So so that 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 really clears up a lot. Yeah. Right? Like okay, now I get it. Yeah. So because the benchmark level is at the thirtieth percentile, let's say on average, huh? yeah. right? So we're talking about affordability rather than reality, right? Mm. But when we realistically look at it, like most Singaporeans, you have a certain you know medical expected bill that you need to pay throughout your life. Yeah. And and then that would not meet the requirements. You know, of MediSafe and MediShield. No, but okay. they tell you, hey, you know, in order to make sure that socially it's not going to be a mess, they, they mandate that there will be MediShield life in place. Everybody has it. You can't pay, we pay for you, but you've got to, we've got to, we will make sure that you can't pay. Mm. Um, for most people, it's not going to be enough. So you have the option to upgrade your MediShield life plan with an integrated shield. Mm. Um, and that premiums can be mostly paid by your MediSafe. So the government's saying like, hey, you know, we'll give you very basic by force. If you want to upgrade it to a higher benefit, go ahead and do it if you have the f- you can, if you can afford it. So is that integrated shield one of the best options in the market? Yes. Because there is no profit generation from the government's viewpoint. There's uh, no private interest in that sense. Uh, the or private interest is indirect. Most insurers are in the picture because of... Um, they take on the risk. They, they want to be seen. When you're part ah, of the integrated shield system, okay, okay. you are seen. It's a brand so of content there. La. Yeah, it's more of a, <laughs> yeah, it's more of an indirect yeah. uh, market uh, it's like marketing. How, it's like how um, FMCG companies mm. sell branded milk carton to the kids. They do? Right? <clears throat> in the US, they do oh. that. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure about here. Do they do that? But in the US, they do that, right? So they make the milk, you know, uh, let's say with like, Let's say Meiji milk, right? Of course, mm. Meiji is not, probably not in the US, but let's say in Japan, right? And then from young, you drink Meiji milk, right? And yeah. you remember the brand. Yeah, and you continue right? with and you that. you continue with Meiji milk as yes, you go along. And yes. that arrangement with the schools are always cheaper compared to retail 
you know, mm. when you buy, right? So like that is the kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, full of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so insurance companies do that also. Yeah, right, it's not profitable. Shield. Yes, okay, it's yeah. not profitable for them, but mm. they do that. So yeah. from a consumer's viewpoint, mm. right? From our audience viewpoint, we should consider the integrated shield as the priority. Yeah, you know, when it comes mm. to medical coverage. Yes, yeah, and that is priced very competitively. Very much monitored by MOH, so it it's wise to do it as long as you can afford it. Mm. Yeah, okay, and do it for your parents too, because they're also your liability if they're sick. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm. Okay, that's that's very very good point <laughs> because I think there's a lot of options out there in the market, right? Like yeah. private ones, government ones, and everyone else in between. And yes. Sometimes it's just this, you know choice paralysis that people go to and so many choices what to do right so mm. okay it's, it's good to to know that you have something concrete to share with us you know because yeah. a lot of people are telling me oh case by case case by case well we'll think case by case okay. <laughs> the oh. one is a straight yes you should <laughs> yeah. do it it's not enough but mm. it is better than nothing is yeah. what the 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 medical life is trying to do mm. yeah okay that's mm. good yeah so we get that you're trying to build this app you know and it's trying to like reframe the whole financial space right? yeah. the whole financial planning space mm. right and where do you see this where do you see this app you know like like how's the user experience gonna be like for someone maybe in a year or two time you know and yeah how, how's it gonna be for, for, for all of us okay so at this point uh, what we've built is a consolidator so you know the weighing scale that I mentioned it is basically the weighing scale that you can step on and off um, whenever you need to do a quick check. In the future, we will hope to be um, able to be smarter at telling you your problems and bringing you to solutions that truly fits you with technology. So it's consistent. And of course, you know, the fancy word of AI is in the picture, but um, we will explore that option very carefully because AI in the wrong way can go quite stupid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we want to give people an experience of figuring out um, their problems and finding the solution in just a few minutes uh, without having to go through that decision fatigue or, or, or asking around. Um, oh, an interesting thing is um, we've been exploring uh, the concept of Taobao. Oh, okay. um, so people like shopping on that, or even I mean I, I don't I think uh, I don't really shop on Zalora, but um, looking at reviews and pictures from other people who have bought the same product do mm. help you make that decision. Oh yes, yeah, yes. So we want to build that feature into um, to the products as well, mm. so people could read um, reviews and experiences that other people had from buying that same product uh, before they make that choice too. So it's almost like. Shopping for clothes, you choose the size uh, and the color that you want and then you look at other people who have bought it before and you're like, okay, I feel more at ease that um, these people who have actually bought it um, have um, had good or bad experiences that you accept. Okay, yeah. I definitely love that and I'm sure a lot of our audience will love that. So thanks for coming on the show and we appreciate your time and I hope all of you guys learned something useful today. See ya! Thank you, Reggie. <laughs> Hey, I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the Financial Coconut. 
Knowledge is that much more powerful, interesting, when shared, debated, and discussed. I hope you would share what you've gained with people you love, and I want to hear from you. Give me some questions and help me along with building a community of financially savvy coconuts. I hope together we can fulfill our curious minds and the desire for clarity. Join our community Telegram group, reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, and sign up our weekly newsletter. Everything is in the description below. If you enjoy the podcast and if you want to keep us growing and stay independent, do buy us Kofi at Kofi.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear, and sustainable for all. Test, test. Okay, so I hope you guys had fun. You know, I definitely have fun talking with Sherry and uh, it was it was interesting because you don't always get like very... How do I put this? Um, like you don't usually hear financial planners talking about themselves in such a brutal manner. I mean, fundamentally, yes, she's doing a startup trying to use, uh, you know, the whole technology thing to uh, simplify and make the process more objective and you know more effective and whatnot. So check out her app. But I think more interestingly is that, you know, I think one of the main reasons that pushed her to do it is because she really sees a lot of problem in, you know, the whole like financial planning field. Right, so um, I also see a lot of these problems, uh, and I'm sure many of you guys have faced similar challenges when talking to financial planners. And I just want to put it out here today that you need to recognize that a lot of these financial planners are fundamentally salespeople, right? So they are just trying to sell certain products. They are very expert in their product, right? Um, and that's the most. Uh, that's kind of how I see it, right? And uh, I'm sure there are some people that really understand financial planning, but probably not most of the people that I've met, right? So so that's that. As long as you find um, a planner that works for you and an agent that you're comfortable to work with, good for you. And that is the goal. It's not to try to do everything on our own, right? Next week, we will be answering the long-awaited question. Like many of you guys know that um, I lived in Malaysia for an extended period of time. Physically, now I'm back in Singapore because of the whole lockdown. Uh, but yes, I think a lot of people are curious, like, hey, why you live in Malaysia and what is the perks of living in Malaysia? So I'm going to share with you some of the interesting perks that I have experienced being in Malaysia beyond your, like, you know, uh, one to three exchange rate or, you know, all those kind of stuff. Yeah, so next week, um, listen to my personal experience and my personal journey. I hope it gives you some inspiration. And if so, you choose to live abroad or live specifically in Malaysia, I um, feel free to connect and feel free to chat. And, you know, if you need any questions, just come to our community Telegram group and, yeah, feel free to reach out. See ya next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.